Welcome back to Talk Green to Me, a podcast about materials and sustainability. I'm Manali. And I'm Nasreen. Manali, how's the end of your summer going? Well, it's barely the end of summer. It's still super hot, and I think the weather's been messing with my laptop. Oh no. Is it overheating, much like your body in this heat? Yeah. It's been slowing down a whole bunch, and I think the battery is fried. I will probably need to get a new one. What are you going to do with your current one? I think I'm just going to throw it in the trash. It's broken, Nasreen. No, you must recycle it. Electronic waste is also recyclable. Whoa. How do you do that? Let me tell you all about it. So this is episode 25, Electronics. Let's switch it up. So it's no surprise that electronics are arguably the most important class of materials that have been invented. They improve our lives in literally every way. I mean, I still like a good old-fashioned pen and paper sometimes. And a hard copy of a book. You could use a touchscreen and a stylus instead. Or a Kindle. True. I guess I could be more stylish. See what I did there? (laughs) I do. Manali, but... What are electronics? Are they a material class or are they a bunch of stuff we use? What counts? So electronics technically are a class of materials that use the power of electrons. What are electrons? (laughs) Electrons are subatomic particles that provide electricity and energy to stuff. What does an electronic item mean to a person? Really, it just comes down to a product that has parts or materials that result in the movements of electrons or other charged particles. Basically, anything that uses electricity. Like computers and phones. Exactly. But the actual power comes from things like vacuum tubes or transistors and capacitors. And it ends up making all the things we use, like our laptops, to write and record this episode. Typically, when we talk about electronics, we mean consumer electronics. There's a lot of other stuff out there, like semiconductors and transistors, but we don't need to get into that. Consumer electronics can be broken down into several categories, including televisions, computers, mobile phones, tablets, wearables, cameras, speakers, and headphones. Semantics aside, all these devices means that a lot of waste is generated. Every time somebody wants to replace one of their old electronic items with a new one, it creates more waste for the landfills. And an angel loses its wings. (laughs) In 2018, the U.S. made 10 million metric tons of appliance and electronic waste. That's like more than 38,000 blue whales. Um, why are we measuring things in blue whales? Because it's a whale of a problem. (laughs) globally it's 50 million tons and apparently only 20 percent of that is recycled a total of three percent of the landfill space in the u.s is taken up by electronic waste i'm glad that it's not more food paper and plastic are the top three categories 
in landfill in the U.S. But thankfully, food, paper, and plastic are mostly carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen and nitrogen, which on their own are elements that are not too bad. But electronics contain some pretty gnarly elements. That makes sense. Electronic materials need to have charged particles or to be able to excite electrons. To get electrons to move and behave the way you want require very particular elements. These include elements such as gold, copper, silver, lead, platinum, palladium, and more. Nasreen, did you know that apparently there's a hundred times more gold in a ton of electronic waste than one ton of gold ore? Nali, I did not know that, and that seems insane. We should probably fact check that one a little bit more. That's fair. Currently, all the metals that were mentioned would have to be mined otherwise, and the reserves are in countries with low regulations on the operations of these mines. This is similar to batteries, which we talked about in episode 8, and also similar to metals, which we talked about in episode 5. It's better to recover and recycle these materials rather than relying on mining alone. To make electronics, there are often very high purity requirements. They need to be made in clean rooms and in a very controlled environment, which can be quite labor and capital intensive. It's easy to take for granted when they're kind of everywhere, but really they're quite advanced materials. end-of-life of electronics are particularly important for a few reasons, other than preventing robot overlords and AI from taking over the Earth. The first one is that current resources and mines are being depleted. Second, they can be quite intensive to make and require a lot of energy and result in a lot of emissions. And third, they can leach toxic materials into the ground and the world if disposed of improperly. That's no good. Yeah, it's really not. So what are our options? What can people do to help since electronics are a crucial part of life now? Well, we talked about circular economy in episode 23, and electronics should really follow the same circular path as other materials. Remember the four R's. Reduce, reuse, recycle, and recover. That's right. It's best to reduce and minimize the number of electronics you need. Yeah, like, do you actually need to upgrade your iPhone every year? No, not at all. I'm definitely not trendy. I've kept phones with cracked screens for a while because they still worked. You can also be conscious of the companies you buy your electronics from and see if they have buyback or trade-in or recycle options. Look for companies that care about and pay attention to the design of their products to be more sustainable and environmentally friendly. Look for green electronics that contain fewer toxic constituents. Look for the Energy Star label on appliances and other products. These are designed to be more energy efficient, which is great for the environment and your wallet. Other labels you can look out for include Responsible Recycling, R2, standards, and the E-Steward standard for Responsible Recycling and Reuse of Electronic Equipment. We also talked about products that are more easily upgradable or disassemblable. Nasreen, you know I'm an Apple fan, but sometimes I can't just replace my battery or add extra storage when I need it with my phone. 
Well, I guess they do use minimal packaging, and that's also important. That's true. Apple does offer replacements of their batteries, so you don't have to replace the whole phone. I'm not saying it's great, but it is an option. That's fair. I've definitely done it to where I've just replaced the screen. I think my dad got his battery replaced and has been using his iPhone 6 Plus since 2014. That is impressive. So, Nasreen, what about when you're done using your phone or appliance or other electronics? There are lots of options of what you can do when you're done with your electronics. If it's in good shape and working, you can always donate it to help someone else out who needs a phone but can't afford one. But always remember to delete your personal information first. Some organizations will send you a plastic sleeve that you can put your phone in and mail out to them. That's cool. I hope they also recycle the plastic afterwards. I'm pretty sure they do. I've sent an old cell phone to an organization that collects cell phones for veterans because they sent me a prepaid plastic envelope. And it was super easy and hopefully helped someone. Besides that, most municipalities have community drop-off points where you can take your electronics. Some will even come and pick up waste if you call them in advance. Be sure to check with your local programs. There are certain retailers and manufacturers that offer mail-in, take-back, and warranty programs that all collect electronics. This is surprisingly more common than you might think. AT&T, T-Mobile, etc. all have programs to trade in and collect your phones. You could lease your phone and return it for a new upgrade every year from your phone company, such as Apple. That's neat. Maybe you should do that and not have your crack screen for years. Even Best Buy will take old phones, computers, and lots of other electronics. Also, if you're not able to bring them into the store, like if you have an old fridge, you can call Best Buy and for a fee, they'll come and pick up your appliance. I've actually dropped off my old laptop to Best Buy when it stopped working. But before that, I was really proud of myself because when the screen cracked on this laptop, I ordered a new screen and replaced it myself after watching some YouTube videos. How very circular of you. Good job. Reusing old electronics extends product lifespans and contributes to to the reduction of raw materials. It's true. I used that laptop for another two years after that. But then I did keep it in my closet for like another eight years. I still have the hard drive though. I don't think it's helpful if it just sits in your closet. Better than a landfill though. Well, not if it starts leaching chemicals onto your stuff. Nasreen, please responsibly dispose of your old electronics. Fine, but what is AT&T or Best Buy doing that's so different than my closet? Nasreen, how many Geek Squad members do you currently have trapped in your closet? Let me check real quick. Oh boy. Anyway, back to the actual recycling. These collection entities either send reusable electronics to recovery facilities to be reused, refurbished, and resold. What if they can't reuse, refurbish, or resell? Well, then they'll send the parts or the whole thing to recycling facilities to be sorted, dismantled, mechanically separated and shredded, cleaned, and processed into materials that can be used again in manufacturing. That's a lot of steps. But proper storage after sorting is very important. 
for some electronic parts like glass from cathode ray tubes from TVs and monitors are highly contaminated by lead. This is no longer a problem for Zoomers because they don't know what cathode ray tubes are, but often this type of glass cannot be recycled and is just stored indefinitely, which is not great. The initial manual sorting of electronics is often done by hand by people who take all the different parts out. Mechanical separation, on the other hand, can be done in a couple of different ways, including magnet, including using magnets or water to separate the different elements. This is just like metal recycling, where a magnet will take out all the ferrous metals, and things like eddy current will take out all the non-magnetic elements. Water can separate the remaining materials, such as glass and plastic, by density. Depending on the materials, they can be further cleaned and shredded. Like we said, recycling and recovering electronics can yield materials like gold, copper, glass, aluminum, and plastic, which can be returned to the supply chain to be used and reused in new products. This helps reduce pollution that would be generated while manufacturing a new product, too. And it reduces the need to extract valuable and limited virgin resources. For every million cell phones we recycle, 35,000 thousand pounds of copper, 772 pounds of silver, and 75 pounds of gold, and 33 pounds of palladium can be recovered. That's so many things. And including all those things, electronics recycling can also reduce the energy used in making new products. Recycling 1 million laptops saves the energy equivalent to the electricity used by more than 3,500 U.S. homes in one year. But don't just give your electronics to anyone. While all materials should be recycled properly, it is especially important that you know who is refurbishing, repairing, and recycling your used electronics. Yeah, there are some pretty toxic materials that come out of electronics, and those should not just end up anywhere. Oftentimes, broken electronic parts are sent to developing nations that don't have as many health regulations. In fact, a recent peer-reviewed article by Sabalos and Dong, and hopefully I didn't pronounce their names wrong, found that electronics recycling workers, their families, and communities may experience unhealthy exposure to metals. And that exposure to chemicals from the electronics also depend on how formalized, uncontrolled their working environment and workflow is. This goes back to what we said in our circular economy episode, that sustainable development should consider how making, using, and disposing of products impacts other people. Making and recycling electronics has negative externalities. And there are people who have to deal with your waste. So it's important to be conscious of all of this when you're using your electronics. There's currently a huge demand for electronics, batteries, and particular solar and EV parts. There's even a technology war between the United States and other countries for the knowledge and capability to make electronic components particularly semiconductors. Um, Let's not get into that on this podcast. I'm just letting people know everything is already set up for an apocalyptic action movie based on real life. So after an electronics race between major world powers, 
smart electronics and AI will band together and take control of all the remaining lithium and other precious metal mines, leaving the humans powerless, literally. Does a ragtag team of scientists who have been telling the U.S. government and the public all along now have to be responsible for fighting the government, the mobs of humans, and the mobs of AI? Yes. The scientists from across the world come together, despite their differences, to take down the electronics, recycle them with the steps we've just mentioned, extract the metals, and make slightly less intelligent artificial intelligence. And they probably focus on solar power because that seems easier in the long run. Yeah, this sounds about right. I would like writing credit if someone makes this into a movie. We can get Frida Pinto to play one of us as a lead. She's already got the Planet of the Apes on her resume, so she knows how to deal with the apocalypse. Maybe Mindy Kaling can be the other one, providing the comic relief because I can't think of other brown actresses. That's mostly troubling. What about Priyanka Chopra Jonas? But we've already gone too far off topic. We gotta rein it in. Let's get into actual policy. Currently, there is a Digital Fair Repair Act in Congress that is trying to be passed, which would try to ensure the right to repair electronics. It's argued that the current electronic repair costs are too high and manufacturers are charging too much to do this. Yeah, and policy is really needed to get electronics properly disposed of. Even if consumers are conscious about it, without the proper infrastructure and rules in place, electronics recycling won't become the global norm. I remember at Georgia Tech, they would do electronics collection once a year. And I took my old electronics to the Center for Hard to Recycle Materials in Atlanta. That's right. We were conscious individuals and we're working on it from the consumer side, but we're definitely the outliers. True. I doubt everyone would go out of their way to do this unless it became required and more accessible. Currently, unfortunately, there are no federal laws requiring electronics recycling in the U.S. Tough. Meanwhile, in Nigeria, to help address the e-waste challenge, the Nigerian government, the Global Environment Facility, and the United Nations Environmental Program announced a $2 million investment to kick off the formal e-waste recycling industry in Nigeria. This is really a tough look for the U.S. Even in Europe, less than 40% of e-waste is recycled. It does vary based on location. Croatia is up at like 80%. Great job, Croatia. Europe is actually also helping reduce e-waste by requiring all chargers to be USB-C type. Does this mean that I won't have to carry a thousand wires every time I travel? Yeah, and less waste will get generated since you won't have new wires every time a company decides to change their charger type. That's good. And in general, I think many places around the world are trying to implement more e-waste collection, repair, and recycling, so hopefully we'll improve from here. In the U.S., Assurant is a company that is doing collection, sorting, and recycling of cell phone waste with their trade-in program. Stay tuned for our next episode where we interview Biju Nair, the EVP and president of Assurance Global Connected Living Business that's working on recycling cell phones. This episode was edited and produced by Manali Banerjee and Nasreen Khan. Music is by Shang Young. 
Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TGTM Podcast, or you can email us at talkgreentomepodcast at gmail.com.